Okay, I invite you to take your Bibles to Ephesians. Turn it to Ephesians chapter 6. From chapter 6, up and, uh, we're going to read from verse 10 up until verse 14. Today we're looking at the first piece of the armor. We're busy with uh, a series on spiritual warfare. And today we are going to zoom in to the first item of, of the armor of God, the belt of truth. And what that is, how to put it on, and how to stand firm in that. So let's read together God's word. Ephesians 6, if I can get to it as well. Ephesians 6, let's read from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth let's pray together Father, we ask you for your mercy and your grace as we study your word, Lord. I pray that you would give us clarity of thought, help us to know how to increase in our knowledge of the truth and how to stand and how to use the belt of truth against our war and our fight against the devil. We pray for these things for your name's sake. Amen. So we are considering how we are to stand. Have you noticed that? It's the word that just comes up over and over again. Stand, stand, stand. So the question is, how how do we stand against the schemes of the devil? And there's only really one way, and that's by verse 10. The Really the first verse that it says. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, if you're a good Bible student, a very first question you should ask about that verse is, okay, how? How can I be strong in the Lord? How can I not stand in my own strength, but rely and stand on the strength of the Lord? And like any good Bible study, you should just read the next verse, because verse 11 tells you how. What does verse 11 say? Put on the whole armor of God. How are you strong in the Lord? When and only when you take the armor of God. This is His armor. This is not our armor that we have to wear. This is the armor God gives us. And this is a heavenly armor. This is impenetrable armor. This is mithril from Lord of the Rings, right? That thin... Okay, I hope all of you would know that. All right, this is the armor that's so light, but it cannot be pierced. And God graciously gives that to us. And the text is so encouraging at this point. If you think about our war against the devil and against Satan. Is God not almighty? Does our God not sit in the heavens and laugh at those who plot against him and try to overthrow his rule? Truly, God, for God, because he is almighty, all things are equally easy for him. Nothing is too difficult for God. And now he says, here's my strength. Here's my power. What's the implication of that? If you simply wear the armor... If you simply take up the armor of God, you win. There's no, it's a 100% guaranteed. If you just stand or are clothed or put on the armor of God, you won't lose the battle. You will succeed because this is not your armor, 
but the armor of God. And that's how you stand strong. So the key question for us then is, are you personally walking in the strength of the Lord? Are you then clothed with the armor of God? Which leads us now to the first piece. But before we look at the first piece of the armor, let me just give a a warning to us when we go through it piece by piece. And that's look at verse 11 carefully again. What does it say? It says, put on the whole armor of God. Okay, what does verse 13 say? The same thing. It says, therefore take up the whole armor. Okay, so it's very dangerous to do what we're doing now by just going through it piece by piece. Because you might be tempted to think, oh, I only need the belt of truth. I only need... So that's not the idea. The idea is you have to have every piece. Take the whole armor. You can't just run into battle with only a belt on. <laughs> okay? You can't just have a shield of faith without the truth. You need all of the pieces. You need righteousness. You need the truth. You need salvation. You need the sword of the Spirit. You need prayer. You can't... Say, okay, I I like that piece of the armor. I'm going to just have that for my battle. No, we need all of it. So just remember that. Even as we go through it piece by piece in our study, remember you have to add that to how to fight against the devil, that you can take up the whole armor. Okay, so with the belt of truth, we're going to look at it in three parts. We're going to look at the action required, the action required. Number two, what the truth is. And number three, how to put it on. That's going to be our outline for tonight. So first, what is the action required of us in this verse? Look at verse 14 again carefully. It says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Now the command to fasten on the belt of truth literally reads, Gird your loins with the truth. I think if some of you might have the King James, I think actually it might say, Gird your loins with the truth. Now, that expression, girding your loins, might not be familiar to us, okay, now in the 21st century. But in Paul's day, people would have immediately understood what he meant. Remember the people then, the soldiers and even the common people, their clothing, their garments were like tunics and there was loose hanging garments, right? Even if, uh, if you look at the Middle Eastern men today, they kind of have a similar dress, almost like a dress, okay? Now, those clothes are amazingly comfortable, to do your ordinary day, daily stuff. But it's horrible for war. Horrible for manual labor. Because you can't really run with your tunic. You can't really do intensive work with your tunic hanging loose. Right? So the idea here is what you would do, what these men would do, is they would take their tunics and they would pull it up and they would bind it, gird their loins, so that they are easily able to walk and run and do their work, right? That's the, that there's no hindrance in their way to be able to do what they need to do. And a Roman soldier, the, the, the belt didn't just put your tunic up, it also held your sword in place. So it was like a, a double-edged sword there. Now that's what girding your loins is. And one lexicon explained it like this. It says, it's preparation for work, preparation for activity, preparing for action. That's the idea. Now today, we might compare that with if you do some woodwork, right? The idea is don't do woodwork with a lot of necklaces hanging and your rings on your finger unless you want to lose your finger or lose your neck or your clothing being loose. You work with tight clothes and you take off all your jewelry, right? You don't want to lose fingers. And the idea is the same thing, right? Don't put away things that's hindering you. Prepare yourself for action. Get ready for the task at hand. That's the idea. 
So now do you see, this is what Christians need to do with the truth. Prepare your mind for the word to come by adding truth to your arsenal, to your mind. Gird your, take truth and be ready to use it. Be prepared to use the truth against the schemes of the devil. That's the idea. We need to truth to gird our loins, but not literally our, the loins of our minds, really. How do we do that? Well, reading, studying, learning, doing the truth. We need to tighten truth around our minds. If there's loose ends of truth, you don't really know if that's the truth or this truth. No, you have to tighten that belt. You can't fight with loose hanging truth, loose ends in your mind. You need, you need to be clear and convicted about the truth and stand upon that. Otherwise, temptations and doubts is going to overwhelm you in your life. Now, interest, it, interestingly, Peter uses the same verb to gird up your loins in another context. Listen to 1 Peter 1 verse 13. It says, therefore, the ESV translates it like this. Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter's saying, or is the ESV translating, preparing your minds for action, literally girding the loins of your mind. And that's exactly what we do with the truth, the belt of truth. Gird the loins of your mind. Get your minds ready. Fill up the armory with truth. Be well stocked in Bible verses, not just Genesis 1 verse 1 or John 3.16. You need more than that. You need, you need a, an arsenal of truth, well stocked, not just Bible verses, Bible doctrine, the doctrine of justification, the doctrine of God's holiness and God's attributes, the doctrine of eternal security, the doctrine of the church. Be well stocked in truth. At the uh, Bible doctrine and Bible verses, Bible truths to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So this tightening of the belt really speaks to our attitude towards the truth. Your attitude towards the truth. When you open your Bible, are you reading it actively? And what I mean is, is your soul leaning forward or are you lazily paging the Bible, thinking about what you have to do after you've read your Bible. Same thing when you come to church. Same, same thing. Are you listening to sermons, leaning forward in your soul, ready to tighten the belt of truth in your mind, or really thinking about what's going to happen after church when I'm done here? See, so when, we, when the text says, fasten the belt of truth, they should, when you hear truth, you should take that, you should... And then you should tighten that belt around your mind and say, this is the truth. I'm going to stand upon that. But unfortunately, many of us don't have those attitudes of excited or eager to learn, to study, to know the truth. So that's what we need to do. Listen actively. Read slowly. Meditate deeply. Study God's word consistently. And share God's word with other Christians regularly. That's all that is required in this belt of truth. Now, so my question to us in this first department of what, uh, what it, the action required is, how is it going in that department of your life? Your attitude towards this truth. Can you say with a clean conscience that you are growing in your knowledge of truth? Now, I know here at November and December, our Friday's brain, 
right? It's like you are so exhausted mentally. You you like switching your words around like fried and brain. <laughs> okay, I hope, I hope all of you got that. And you're just like, okay, I just need to fall into a bed and just, you know, recover for January. Maybe that's that's how most of you feel. But but look at this. Maybe just take this year, just 2022. Have you been growing in truth? Have you been learning truth? Has truth been gripping your heart more and more? Are you discovering things in the Bible that you've never seen before on your own and in church and wherever you are? Or have you just really been stagnant, just been coasting? Again, that's fertile ground for being attacked and being overcome by the devil. But that's what we need to do. We have to grow in our knowledge of the truth year in, year out. So that's the first thing. That's the action is to gird your loins. But secondly, let's now ask the very obvious question. What is the truth? So we have to gird our minds with the truth. Okay, now I think the Bible gives us the answer here. The first one. The first aspect of what is the truth is the entire Bible. <laughs> so that's, that's actually like cheating. Okay, just saying, you know, who built the ark and the child says Jesus. Yes, but he used Noah. <laughs> okay, so it's almost like that answer. The truth is the entire Bible, right? We see that in Jesus' prayer in John 17 verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Genesis to Revelation. That's the truth. Right? So look at chapter 2, verse 20. It gives us a flavor of this. Look at um, Ephesians 2, verse 20. So it says the church is built on, sorry, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The idea there is, and although that's speaking of the New Testament, it means the, the New Testament apostles and prophets teaching the, the Bible from Matthew to, to Revelation. But because they've been always quoting the Old Testament, this is really from Genesis to Revelation. That's on what we are built. So let me say here that I think our priority are a bit misplaced if you rather prefer to read devotionals or listen to preachers and teachers or just read other Christian books instead of the Bible itself. Nothing wrong with those things. That's why we're here. We need teaching. We need good Christian books. But is that your main diet? Do you go to the Bible hungry for your own soul to be fed with the truth? That, that's what we need. We need a first-hand knowledge of God's Word ourselves. Do you know what's the longest love poem in the Bible? And do you know what it's about? I don't know if anybody know that. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, it's a massive poem about this author's love for God's word. The longest psalm is about the Bible. Listen to just three of those verses, and I wonder if you could relate to these words. Psalm 119 verse 20 says, My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Lord, I'm so hung. My soul is thirsty. I'm consumed with longing for your laws. Verse 40, behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. One author said, we are all meditating on something. Let's just make that now about the truth. Why don't you make that about the truth? <laughs> okay, you, all of us are constantly thinking about something, meditating on something. Let's make that about the truth. And if you can't relate to these psalms, repent. That's the, you have to turn away 
from your sin. Turn away. If you might be lukewarm, you might just been cooled off in your love for Christ. Return. I love that how Jesus spoke to those the seven churches and one of them saying, you've abandoned your first love. Repent and do the works you did at first. Remember the works you did at first. Remember when you were first saved, when you first saw King Jesus and his glory. How did you read the Bible? How did you pray? Wasn't everything in the Bible just gripping you and like, wow, 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 even the genealogies. And there, it might be harder there, but you, even there you were just reading and you were looking forward to reading God's word. Repent to that. Repent to do your first works of love and that's what we need to do so what has stolen your heart what has stolen your eyes what has drawn your affections away from your first love from the lord from his word let us not just ask god to forgive us but to cleanse us from every sin in our hearts So that's the first, that's the broadest answer to what is the truth, is the Bible. But secondly, more specifically, is the gospel. The gospel. We get that really, uh, if you read 2.20 again, just look at um, Ephesians 2 verse 20. So we are built, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Look at chapter 1 verse 13 as well. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth. Okay, what is the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. And believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So don't forget that as we read our Bibles, we are looking for Christ. We are looking for the gospel. The the devil can hijack your very love for the Bible. How does he do that? When you lose your focus off of Christ and off of him, himself. So we don't just need to focus our minds on knowing the Bible, but we need to focus our minds on knowing a person through the Bible. That's the point. That's the truth we need. Don't forget the Pharisees were people of the book. They knew their Bibles. They studied their Bibles. They've memorized their Bibles. They were on it, right? They knew, they knew that, but yet they missed the entire point of Scripture. They missed Jesus himself. They missed him. Like the silliness of a man in love with a picture of his wife instead of his wife. How silly is that, right? We can be so in love with the words and the theology that we miss the person to whom it's pointing to, that we need to be in love with. Uh, listen to John 5.39. This is a verse we've been using a lot here, but this is the problem here. John 5 verse 39. John 5.39 and 40. Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures. Okay, that's a good thing, right? Searching the scriptures. That's just what I said we should do. But then Jesus says, because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bears witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Notice they, they searched the scriptures because they thought if I know my Bible, I'll be automatically saved. I'm automatically in. Am I not searching my Bible daily? And they missed the point that truth is a person. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, 
I am the truth that all truth is going to point to. When we study Christ, when we behold his glory, we are looking into the eyes of truth itself. Truth is a person. So the Pharisees believed that simply knowing propositions, knowing facts, was good enough, right? Because they were self-righteous. They were self-made. I am saving myself by my discipline of reading my Bible every day. I must be good enough for God, right? And they missed the entire message of the Bible that none is righteous, no, not one. None of us are good in our hearts. We all fail. We all fall short of the glory of God. That we are unable to atone for our sins by our own deeds. We need God himself to atone for our sins. And he did that through Christ. By sending his son, by crushing his son on the cross, pouring out his wrath on his son, his anger on his son for your sins. And he rose from the dead that everyone who believes, everyone who repents of their sin will be forgiven and cleansed and receive a new heart, a heart on which the law of God is written. So no, now the Bible is no longer this dry duty, but the law is in your heart. You, you naturally incline, Lord, I want to know you. I want to love you. It's in you because you are a new creation in Christ. They missed that because they thought life is found in the Bible, not through the Bible. And that's what they missed. So when we gird our minds with truth, don't forget the truth is a person. We gird our minds by knowing Christ, knowing him. It's interesting how Paul could link the gospel with Christ himself in Galatians 1. Just listen carefully to this verse. Galatians 1 verse 6. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. The him there is the Lord Jesus. So I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that you've so quickly left Christ. But listen to what he says. He says, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Do you see what Paul says? He says, when you turn to a different gospel, you are not just changing one set of knowledge for another set of knowledge. When you are going to a different gospel, you are leaving a person behind. You are leaving Christ behind. I'm shocked that you have left Christ for a different gospel. So the gospel and Christ is synonymous. Jesus says, I am, right? All the I am statements are the gospel. That is the good news we need to hear, we need to turn to. So we need to fight this battle against the devil with the truth of the gospel. With the truth that we are not saved by our own works, but by his mercy and his grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. The gospel, beloved, is a powerful weapon against Satan. Remember what did we say last week? Satan loves to cause us to doubt our salvation. He causes us to doubt God's goodness, doubt if, if I'm really saved, if I'm really his. And he loves to do that. And what do we do? We've sung, we've sung it in one of our songs, right? When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. That's how we fight. That's spiritual warfare. But now, number three, let's close our time with how to put it on practically. So I've been hinting at that, but I want to make it a bit more specific. How do we gird up the lo- our lo- loins of our minds with the truth? Now, I've already said it, and I'm going to say it again. Number one, reading. 
super boring. <laughs> Not all of us love reading, but there is absolutely no way for you to take the belt of truth if you don't read the Bible. You have to make time to read your Bibles every single day. Now, if you don't know where to start, get a good reading plan that takes you through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Get a reading plan. Don't worry. Again, I want to encourage you. I know some of us are perfectionists. So, you know, um, you start your reading plan on January 1 and you want to finish in December. And by November, you're still in, I don't know, Acts or Romans. And you're like, I'm never going to finish. So January 1, you're going to start again. And you never read Revelation. You never read Malachi. Okay, You never get there because I have to do this perfectly. Don't think like that. This is, this is a marathon, okay? This is a long-distance race. So if it takes you five years, three years to read through the Bible, do that. Just do that. If you have the ability to read, you should thank God. That's a gift we just take for granted in our entertaining age, in our distracted age. I'm, there was a man who burned so badly that he lost most of his feelings in his face and in his fingers. So... He couldn't even read Braille with his fingers. And his greatest sorrow was that he was no longer able to read his Bible. But he found out that he had still a bit of feeling left in his tongue. So get this. He read through his Bible three times with his tongue. What's your excuse? Yo, I'm so busy. Oh, my eyes are hurting when I look at this page or whatever. No, beloved, let us take up this treasure, this treasure of God's word that we can read for ourselves. Let's treasure it. Let's read it regularly. Number two, the second thing you should do is memorize scripture. You should be regularly memorizing the truth. And that's part of that girding your loins, right? Um, To be ready for action. And you're ready for action when you've placed the verses, the Bible verses you most need at the forefront of your mind. Right? The Bible will be powerless if it's at the back seat or in the trunk of the car. It needs to be in the driver's seat. It needs to be at the front, the forefront of your mind. Psalm 119, verse 11, the classic verse on this says, I have stored up. You hear the girding of truth? I'm storing up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Gird up your mind by regularly memorizing the Bible. If you just spend 10 minutes each day on some key passages, you are going to start memorizing them. But our problem is we spend zero minutes and therefore we are shocked that we can't remember the verses. So again, here's the the key is the appetite. The repetition, sorry, repetition is the key. Just keep on going. Just repeat, 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 repeat. Take one verse, write it out on a card or something and just keep on Re- rehearsing that in your mind, right? You can t- you can start with short verses. Don't don't start with Hebrews or, right? Start with short, clear verses. Verses like Philippians four verse four. Rejoice always in the Lord. I repeat, rejoice. There you've memorized one already. There you go. You can thank me later. Okay. One Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray without ceasing. Is that really hard to memorize? No. There's a second one. Okay. So start of the shorter verse and then you can start upgrading that and, and putting more verses in your, in your mind. Remember Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, he quoted three times from the book of Deuteronomy. 
It is written. It is written. I don't think Jesus took out a scroll there in the wilderness. Quickly search. I remember it's here on the left side of my Bible. Here on the top bottom side. Somewhere there. I'm just going to quickly. No. He could just say to the devil. It is written. And that's what we need. Because he memorized those verses. Jesus memorized those passages of scripture. There's one man I've heard of that says, I don't want to memorize the Bible because I'm scared it's going to make me proud. And the reply was, well, make the first 10 verses on humility. Just there you go. Just memorize on humility. You'll be okay. (laughs) Okay. And so if you don't know where to start, again, what is your most besetting sin? What is the sin you just seem to be struggling with over and over and over again? Make the first 10 verses on that topic. Memorize verses. If you're struggling with anxiety, memorize verses on anxiety. If you're struggling with anger, memorize verses on anger. If you're struggling with self-discipline or, well, I don't know what you're going to do there because you need self-discipline to memorize, but try very hard and get somebody to help you with that. Remember the psalmist says, I have stored up your word in my heart for what purpose? That I may, may not sin against you. Bible memorizing is a great sin killer. It kills sin. It kills selfishness. So no doubt the younger you start, the greater the advantage. So especially us younger people, more younger people. Okay, I'm starting to feel like I'm on that edge. But anyway, your brain is fresh. <laughs> Use it. Memorize it. And for us older people, they might say, but yo, no, my time is up. That's, that's a lie. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Okay, that's possible because God is almighty, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, and you have a new heart that desires God, so go. Don't believe that lie, I'm too old, I can't. No, you can. Just do it. Number three, so reading, memorizing, and number three, I just wanted to say being theologically curious, being theologically curious, and what I mean here is just this, so Sometimes you come across a passage of the Bible or you hear a common phrase or common topic of in Christianity and you just haven't made up your mind yet. You're just like, also, there's that loose end in your mind. You don't know what it really is about. But you're content with that. Like, oh, I'll ask Pastor Jan, you know, next Sunday about it. Or oh, I'll just do some, some, or I'll just leave it when it's really relevant. Or Now, that's just another way of being intellectually lazy. Now, sometimes you really don't have the time, but my point is we should have this curiosity to us that when we don't know something in the Bible, we should want to know what it, what it means and how to understand it. Now, of course, I, as the pastor, have a greater responsibility to teach you the Bible, to teach you the truth, but we need to be like the Bereans of that Acts 17 that said that they examined the Scriptures with all eagerness to see whether these things are so. So they heard the Apostle Paul preach to them, and says, great, Apostle Paul, I hear you. We're just going to study it in its context. We're just going to look up those verses you've mentioned. We're going to make double sure that what you've said is the truth. And that's what our spirits must be like. So we shouldn't be content to not understand the passage. We should spend time with the Bible, spend time with studying it. So one example um, I can give is, I've always heard about Jabez prayer. I don't know how many of you know Jabez prayer in 1 Chronicles, is it 1 Chronicles 4 or 2 Chronicles 4? I can't remember. One. Um, and you know, there's a book written about it. There's many um, uh, fridge magnets. There's many bumper stickers about that. And we always wonder, but I always wonder, what is that about? What, what is the purpose of that prayer anyway? 
And as I was reading in 1 Chronicles, going through all the names, looking for baby names, you know, that's a good way to, if you read the, the genealogies, look for, for new names for, for, for something, for your parrot or something. But I came, I came across Jabez Prayer. I'm like, okay, what is this about? I need to know this. I'm not going to just say, okay, I'm just going to be content. And by God's providence, received an email that's, that was based on Jabez Prayer. I'm like, I'm not going to just skip the, normally I just skip those devotional emails. I'm like, no, I'm going to dive into this. And I read it and it was wonderful, wonderful lessons we can learn from Jabez Prayer for us as Christians today. And the article was wonderful. And that's my, that's my point is don't just be content with not knowing something. Be curious. Tighten the belt of truth. Spend time. Even if you have to spend time on one issue, one verse, one topic until it's tight, do that. That's part of tightening this belt of truth. Number four, and there's two more. Then we're done. Number four, families. Families. And what I mean by that is we read, we meditate, we are theologically curious, and we need our families to be a hub of truth. One, one Puritan said, families are to be little churches. <laughs> little churches. Remember, husbands, specifically husbands, you are commanded to love your wife as Christ of the church. And how did Jesus love us? By the washing of the water with the word. Husbands need to disciple their wives. What does it say in Ephesians 6 verse 4? Just turn there again. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So specifically, husbands and fathers are responsible for their families to be little churches, places where the Bible is studied. We need to bring them up. Now, mothers and um, wives are to be the helpers of their husbands because we can't do that on our own. We need help. So wives, help. Help your husband. Help him to be the husband God wants him to be. And of course, that means family worship. Regularly coming together as a family, reading the Bible together. And do this. Memorize verses as a family. Like, it's amazing when you repeat that for the thousandth time for your child that can't remember the first word of it. That's okay because now we've, me and Deborah have memorized that verse. Right? You just, it's just good to memorize verses together. If there's a struggle in your family, choose a verse to memorize together on that topic or on that issue. Use good catechisms. That is so helpful. Catechism is a basic systematic theology on every topic of major Christian teaching. If you have young children, catechism for boys and girls, all the children, Westminster, shorter catechism. You can use these catechisms. People have labored hard on these things. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can use these past labors and, and implement them in our families. And that's what we need to do. So men, especially men, I want to say this is difficult. This, I struggle with this. I'm the pastor and I struggle. So don't feel, if you don't do this faithfully, regularly, welcome to the club, but let's stop making excuses. Stand up and lead. That's what we need to do. But just a one word of caution on this is 6 verse 4, the last or the first part of it, do not provoke your children to anger. Okay, Don't expect your children to be in an hour-long sermon. Okay, This sermon is probably enough for them. Okay, It's like the most taste they can have, they can handle. But in your family, keep it short and sweet. Don't make it exhaustive, okay? But let us prepare our minds for action with regular family worship and time with our family. And the last one is the church. The church. Use the church. Chapter 4, verse 11. Look at chapter 4, verse 11. It says, 
And he gave, Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So, you see, the church is a great place where we are equipped with the, with the truth. God designed the church like this. Pastors and teachers to equip the saints. And guess what the saints do? They do the work of ministry. Did you see that? Verse 12, just look at that again. The pastors equip, and then verse 12 says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Members, ordinary church members are the ministers of the church. So if we have about 25 members in our church, we have 25 ministers, full-time ministers in this church. That's a lot of ministers. That is supposed to be ministering to one another. How do we minister to one another? Verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up. So we are taught the truth and then we share the truth with one another. That's what we need to do. And let me add here, under the church you can add good books Good sermons, online sermons, good podcasts, good, good things just to be listening to, to baptize your mind in the truth. So that's, that's the means of grace that God has given us. So beloved, how tight is your belt? Are you growing in your knowledge of the truth? Now, this is a long-term project, okay? This is not going to be an easy, quick fix. This is a day in, day out, year in, year out. Tighten those loose ends, those loose ends, and let us grow. Let us strive to obey this verse, Second Peter 3.18. It says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Um, for your word, Lord, that you've given to us. Lord, your word is pure. It is sweeter than honey. It enlightens eye, our eyes. It comforts our souls. And Lord, yet we often so neglect it and often run to other comforts and other um, refuges. Lord, you should be our refuge. And we pray, Lord, that you would become our refuge again, that we would repent of our sin Return to our first love. Seek you, Lord. Seek your face early in the morning to meditate on your word day and night. Oh, Lord, in, come do this work in us, Lord. We, even as believers who have been born again, Lord, we cannot do this on our own strength. Lord, our flesh is weak. Like your word says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, Lord, please help us to overcome the, the physical bodily weaknesses that we have to be able to give our attention, our fiction, our time for you, Lord. But Lord, thank you that you are gracious. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us. And I pray, Lord, that you would equip us and to be ready for spiritual warfare against the devil and his lies and the schemes. So, Lord, bless us. We ask these things for Jesus' name. Amen. 
Let's sing the last song together. The last song is The Lord's My Shepherd. Um, Let's look to him as our shepherd as we sing the song and trust in him together. Let's stand as we close with the song.